This is the second sermon in the series on the Holy Spirit. And today I'm reading from Galatians 5, verses 16 through 25. This is Paul's famous passage. And he says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Paul tells us that for us Christians, we have two and only two options. We can wallow in the flesh, or we can walk by the Spirit. Flesh is, is essentially human beings trying to be good by our own effort and energy. It is trying to live a supernatural life from our own limited fallen natures. There's just one problem with that. The flesh doesn't produce spirit fruit. In fact, it produces quite the opposite. We have seen that the list, sexual immorality, idolatry, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition. Living in your own strength and trying to build your own character is like pushing a car instead of riding it. Progress might be made for a short while, but over the long haul, you are going nowhere. Especially when you're pushing a car, you can't go up hills, you can't climb mountains, you can't overcome trials, and you usually end up with using all your strength just to stay in place. Nobody pushing a car gets far or has joy or satisfaction doing it. I've watched people push cars. We do not have car pushing parties. I'm not a genius. But I've discovered that life goes much better when you're riding instead of pushing. We're not called to live the Christian life on our own steam. We are cr created to live our lives in cooperation with another reality, which is, quite simply, life in the Spirit of God. We are called to walk in the Spirit. Now, there are certain steps that must be taken in order to walk in the Spirit. And the first is simply this. We must surrender our lives, every bit of our lives, to Jesus Christ and His Spirit. People usually discover this in the valley rather than any other place. Often people discover their limitations in hospitals and in rehab and when their children are out of control and when they lose their job. People generally seek God's power and resources when they run out of their own power and resources. Often everything else, we trust in everything else before we will trust in God. Surrender usually comes when there is nowhere else to turn to but God alone. I like what Charles Stanley said. 
He said, in water safety courses, a cardinal rule is never swim to a drowning man and try to help him as long as he is thrashing about. To do so is to commit suicide. As long as a drowning man thinks he can help himself, he is dangerous to anyone who tries to help him. His tendency is to grab the one trying to aid him and take them both down in the process. The correct procedure is to stay just far enough away so that he can't grab you. Then you wait. You wait till he gets exhausted. You wait till he gets semi-conscious. You wait till he gives up, and then you make your move. And at that point, the drowning one is pliable. He won't work against you. He will let you help. The same principle holds true in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Until we give up, we aren't really in a position to be helped. We will work against the Spirit rather than with Him. Surrender to His will follows the surrender of our own. When we recognize we can't make it, we are like the drowning man surrendering to the aid of his rescuer. When it comes to a holy life, when it comes to living life like Jesus said, we have to give up in one sense. We have to quit. We have to give up the illusion that we can make ourselves good. But most of us don't do that. Most of us, our first step is not surrender. Our first step is rededication instead of surrender. We bargain with God. We tell God how much better we're going to do the next time. Rededication never looks, works for long because rededication says, I still believe in me and what I can do. Surrender says, I have come to the end of myself and what I can do. Surrender says, God, you take control. Surrender says, God, you call the shots. Then the Spirit can work fully and not before. The Spirit can't work with someone who thinks they know more than the Spirit. The Spirit can't work with someone who thinks they can do what only the Spirit can do. Until we come to the end of our need to control and direct and run our lives only as we see fit, the Spirit cannot work. If you walk in the Spirit, if you want to walk in the Spirit, the first thing you have to do is give control to the Spirit. And by the way, I know a lot of people balk at this point. What will God make me do if I give God control of my life, if I totally surrender to the Spirit? Will I turn weird? Will I be sent to Antarctica? Will I lose my sense of self and personality? Please hear this. God made you and the essence of who you really are. Why would he want to destroy that? If you have a sense of humor, for instance, before you surrender to the Spirit, you get to keep your sense of humor. I know for myself. Now, he may, you know, refine it and make it more sophisticated like he did with my sense of humor. But otherwise, if you like birding, that will not be taken away from you unless somehow birding is bad for you. If you like sports, you can still enjoy sports unless sports is taking over everything. And if God calls you to Antarctica, I got news for you. Before he sends you to Antarctica, you will want to go to Antarctica. He will put a burden and a desire to go to Antarctica. God never doesn't send you against your will. He forms your will and then he sends you. Christ wants to enhance the truest parts of who you are. He wants to release who you really are, not destroy who you really are. 
But that gets us back to what is walking in the Spirit. And walking in the Spirit is simply this. It is a moment-by-moment dependency on the Holy Spirit. It is inviting God's Spirit into all of life. It means over and over again, decision by decision, temptation by temptation, relationship by relationship, situation by situation. We invite God into the middle of it all through the day. We invite the Spirit to guide our lives through all of our lives. We invite Him into any and all situations where we need Him. Morning devotions help. Prayer times help. They help us get in the Spirit. But getting in the Spirit is not the same as walking in the Spirit. I know people who get in the Spirit and then don't walk in the Spirit the rest of the day. A walk is an ongoing, one step at a time kind of thing. It is continual. In very practical terms, it means the next time I get in a fight with my wife, I stop and I internally invite the Holy Spirit into the middle of my stirred-up emotions. I say, Lord, please love this woman through me because my flesh doesn't right now. It means the next time I get into temptation, I invite the Spirit right into the middle of that temptation. What we usually do is push the Spirit away when we feel tempted. No, get Him right into the middle of it. One writer put it this way. He said, for you and for us, the first baby steps in walking in the Spirit may be getting up tomorrow morning saying, Lord Jesus, today I cannot, but you can. Rehearse your day with him. Pray through your schedule. Think through the stressful moments you anticipate. For the most part, you can predict the circumstances that will test your character. Go ahead and claim your dependency on the Holy Spirit ahead of time. You say, Lord, I'll probably run into Joe. I don't like Joe. I'll need you to love Joe through me today. And then when you get into that situation with Joe, you open yourself to the Spirit. Or you say, Father, I want to love my spouse, but you know how difficult it is for me right now. I cannot, Lord, but you can. Or today I have to give my boss an answer. I know what you want me to say, Lord, but I don't have the strength to say no. I cannot, but you can. Spirit of God, speak through me when I talk to my boss. Today, I will see Jane, Lord. I cannot control my thoughts when she's around. I cannot, but you can. Spirit, take my thoughts and turn them to things heavenward instead of to the flesh. Lord, this is going to be a stressful day. Father, you know I have a tendency to lose my cool when the pressure's on. I confess I cannot handle the events of this day, but you can. Lord, you handle them through me. And then when you get into those situations... You go, Lord, help me cling to you this moment. And then you take a deep breath and you relax and you try to receive what the Spirit is giving you that moment. And you do that enough. Guess what will happen? At first it will be very hard. At first you'll blow it over and over again. I can give you firsthand testimony. But if you keep doing it enough, it will turn into a habit. And a habit, you know what the old saying is, sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a lifestyle. Sow a a lifestyle, reap a destiny. You can do this. I'm here to tell you, you can do this. Lee Strobel, 
said that he uh, interviewed a man who was uh, on, you know, hooked on drugs. He was an addict. And he said, I felt like my time was running out. If I kept on the road I was on, he said, I knew I was going to end up dead. He said, for the first time, I realized that I was powerless to end the cycle of despair and guilt. By the way, we all are. We're all helpless to end the cycle of despair and guilt and sin. So Strobel asked him, what did you do? He said, the only thing I could do, I cried out to God. I dropped on my knees in, in my bedroom and said, God, help me. I am messed up beyond belief. I need you. He said it wasn't eloquent, eloquent, but it was the truth. Then what happened? Strobel asked. Well, I didn't hear any voices or see any angels, but honestly, the sense I had in my soul was, welcome home. I felt like I'd arrived at the place where I belonged. And was that the beginning of your turnaround? Absolutely. The next morning, I had my drug paraphernalia laid out in my car, and I was going 70 miles an hour down the freeway. And I thought, this is real now. What am I going to do? I felt God giving me the courage to gather up all that stuff and throw it out the window. And that was it. I never went back. Later, the Lord convicted him of littering drug paraphernalia. <laughs> Did you go through withdrawal? For days, I was sweaty, clammy, cranky, irritable. Yeah. Based on that, I know a number of people going through withdrawal. <laughs> he replied, but I knew two things. I couldn't go back. That was simply not an option. That meant to die. And yet, he said, the other thing is I couldn't go forward by myself. I needed a power that went beyond my own weak will Every day I had to fight, fight my desire for another high. It was a struggle. For a long time it was tough. How did you manage to break through, Strobel asked. Over and over I kept whispering a prayer. I can't do this alone, Jesus. Help me. If you don't show up now, I'm through. If you, and he kept saying it over and over again, Jesus, help me. If you don't show up right here, right now, in the middle of this temptation, you know what's going to happen. And guess what? God showed up. Philip Yancey has an interesting chapter in one of his books. The chapter is entitled, Why I Wish I Was an Alcoholic. He's one of the great Christian writers. And the reason he wrote it is because alcoholism, if one is to recover, drives you to God. It, it simplifies life. What must be done becomes clear. Priorities become obvious. There is a desperate need for God and a dependence on Him because the alcoholic cannot survive any other way. Unfortunately, most of us can. Most of us can live our lives without this kind of dependency on the Spirit, which is precisely why we do it. We won't crash and burn like an addict or an alcoholic. We won't become out of control on that level. There's just one small problem. We won't be like Jesus called us to be. We won't make a difference. We'll live life like lost people in a lost world, and they'll see no difference in us. Jesus called us to bear fruit, brothers and sisters. He called us to change this planet. He called us to bring in the kingdom of God. He called us to live life by the same resources he lived by. Alcoholics 
know that they desperately need God's Spirit to make it. And most of us use other options most of the time. And that's precisely our problem. But I'm here to tell you the good news today. We can walk in the Spirit. And walking in the Spirit is not something that drops out of heaven or happens automatically. Walking in the Spirit is learned. It's not, we, we are commanded to do it. We are expected to do it. Learning to invite the Spirit and tune into His presence in our hearts is not automatic. But it's doable because the Scripture commands us to do it. And Scripture would not command us to do something we can't do. You know, it's like learning to play music, walking in the Spirit. You know, when you first learn to play music, you fumble to find each note. I remember when I was in elementary school, I, my first instrument was a flutophone. You remember the vaunted flutophone? Never mind. <laughs> but anyway, I find, I, I, and then I graduated to the trumpet and because uh, I, you know, had the lips for it. And <laughs> never mind. <laughs> It was laborious learning to play music. But guess what? As you practice playing music, it gets easier. And if you keep at it, there's this magical moment somewhere when you're learning music where you go from playing notes to you go to playing music. When, when you flow with the rhythm and the tones and your hands and your hearts move together in harmony, with your instrument, there is a time when you go, oh man, this is not hard, this is wonderful. Or take raising your children. Remember when they all started getting mobile? You know, with our first kid, it was, come on, you can learn to walk. Come on. With the second kid, it's, it's okay. With the third kid, it was, please, take your time. You don't have to learn to walk now. When they first learned to walk, you had to watch them every second. It was hard at first, but the more you spent time and life together, you learned how to know your children, didn't you? You learned when their cries were real and when their cries were fake, right? You learned to get a feel for when silence was good, things were going right, and silence meant, uh-oh, they are up to something. I don't know what they're up to, but I, you know, you could, and you could sense it. You learn to tune into your kids. The same with the Holy Spirit. You can learn to tune in. And it's hard at first. And at first it takes a lot of effort to keep focusing your mind back to Christ and offering that moment up to Him. But you can do it. God expects you to do it. And you don't need a PhD. You don't need to go to seminary. You don't need to become a monk. Like I said, it is something that you train to focus your mind on throughout the day until that becomes a habit. Paul calls that walking in the Spirit. Jesus called it abiding. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. That's what Paul said too, because both Jesus, Paul talked about walking in the Spirit and abiding in the vine. They were different ways of saying, this is how you get to spirit fruit. And the way you get to spirit fruit, both in terms of abiding and walking, the key is connecting to Christ through His Spirit. And if we stay connected, spirit fruit 
will come. And what a spirit fruit, we read it. Let me point it out again. When you are connected to the vine, when you are walking in the spirit, you become more loving because Christ's love is flowing through you. You have more joy, more peace, more patience. You become kinder. You become gooder. <laughs> you become more faithful and gentle and in self-control. These are the attributes of Jesus Christ being reproduced in you and flowing through you. And none of us can produce what Paul described on this list. Only the Spirit can produce the fruit described on this list. And here's the good news. It's not my job to produce Spirit fruit in my life. You know why? Because I can't. It's impossible. Only the Spirit can do that. Without Christ and His Spirit in us, our attempts to be loving or good or self-controlled are fruitless. They are cheap imitations at best. Why? Because the flesh cannot produce the things of the Spirit. One of my favorite stories was by Stuart Briscoe. Some of you have heard it. It's a true story of a man who, when he was a young boy, used to get out of his bedroom at night and go off and, you know, engage in bad behavior. And there was the way he escaped as he went through his bedroom window on the second floor. There was this old fruit tree outside his bedroom window. And one day, this teenage boy heard words he dreaded. His father announced that he was going to cut down the tree by his bedroom window because it had not borne fruit for years. That evening, the boy and his brothers purchased a basket of apples. <laughs> and under darkness, they climbed into the tree and tied the apples onto the unproductive branches. The next morning, they waited in anticipation to see their father's response. And upon seeing this remarkable phenomenon, the man shouted to his wife, Mary, I can't believe my eyes. This old tree that has been barren for years is covered with apples. And then turning toward his son's bedroom, he shouted, And what a miracle, especially since it's a pear tree. <laughs> apples, trees cannot produce pears. And the flesh cannot produce spirit fruit. Apart from Christ and His Spirit, we can produce no fruit. He said, without me, you can do nothing. Without the Spirit, we can never have the self-control to overcome temptation, with especially sins with our name on it. There are certain sins with your name on it, aren't there? And you, you mess up with them again and again and again. You will not defeat those sins without the power of the Spirit. Without the Spirit, we can never overcome our selfishness and sin and escape the orbit of our ego. Without the Spirit, we can never produce love that overcomes hurt and hate and loves enemies. I got news for you. The best I can do with enemies in the flesh is tolerate them and agree not to hurt them. But I can never love them until the love of Jesus flows through me and I love my enemies. I can never, without the Spirit, I can never have the joy that overcomes circumstances. I know how to be happy. When things go good, I know how to be happy. But when things go bad without the Spirit, I can never have the joy that is required. Joy comes straight from the Spirit into our hearts, and it overcomes all circumstances. 
Without the Spirit, I can never know peace that surpasses all logic and all, all situations. Without the Spirit, I can never have the patience that comes, that grows and lives in the midst of trials. God's standards and fruit are beyond ours in every way. The flesh can never reproduce them. Never. Our job is not to grow fruit, brothers and sisters. Please hear me. Our job is not to grunt and groan and go, I will be more loving. I will have joy. I will have. You can't do that. Our joy is to stay, our job is to stay connected to the vine. Our job is to abide. Our job is to walk in the Spirit moment by moment. And if we walk in the Spirit, Paul says, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In fact, Spirit fruit will come if we do that. And get this, it will come naturally. We will find ourselves changing, and often we will not even see it coming. And it won't be because we try so hard or, 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 or strain or use all our willpower. It will, come, it will come because the life from the vine flowing into us naturally produces fruit. What this means is that one day when you abide in God, one day you'll wake up and you go, you know, six months ago, that would have really ticked me off. I'd have really lost my temper. I don't know why I'm not mad right now. I'm as sweet as John Hawbecker right now. What? You know? Or, you know, I used to be really, really uptight and impatient about this thing. And I find that as I walk with Jesus, I'm not as uptight and as impatient about this thing now. Jim Moore said that he had a friend. Her name was Elizabeth. He met her when she was 12 years old. And at 12 years old, she was already devoted to God, already devoted to the church and prayer. Her name was Elizabeth, and she excelled in everything she did. She excelled at camp, at school, later at Princeton and at law school. She excelled as a litigator for a prestigious law firm. She excelled as a wife, a daughter, a sister, a friend, as a member of the church. And at the age of 24, Elizabeth was diagnosed with bone marrow cancer. Elizabeth required, in order to survive, a stem cell transplant. They found a match, a perfect match. It was her brother John. And John gave so much of his stem cells and so much of his blood that Elizabeth's blood type actually changed to John's blood type. Jokingly, Elizabeth later told her church class, Sunday school class, that before the transplant, she had been a vegetarian. But now with so much of John's blood in her, she had a deep desire to eat fried chicken and watch football. John's life was infused into hers. His stem cells became hers. His blood type became hers. That's exactly what happens to us in Jesus. If you abide in me, there will be a blood transfusion. There will be a sap transfusion. My life will flow into your life. My spirit, my power, my love, my peace, my joy, my goodness, my patience will pour into you and bring spirit life automatically without you killing yourself or trying to re reproduce them on your own. Our job is to desperately cling to connect and hold on. 
Our job is to abide and walk with the Spirit step by step by step. And if you do, Jesus' life will be poured into yours. Jesus does not expect us to produce fruit. He just expects us to bear fruit. He will supply the nutrients. He will supply the never-ending supply of living water. He will supply the energy to make it happen. He is the source. We are the funnel. He is the vine. We are the branches. It is his life being reproduced, not ours. He is the change agent, not us. When Michael Jordan played basketball, when he was in his heyday, I was a big Bulls fan because I'm a typical front runner, as my children will tell you. Whoever's winning, that's who my team. The spirit hasn't penetrated that part. <laughs> but it was said, and it was true, that in the last seconds of a game, Coach Phil Jackson, when the Bulls were in a tight game, would call a timeout and just say one thing in the huddle. He'd say, give the ball to Michael and get out of the way. Our job is to give the ball to the Holy Spirit and get out of the way. It's, it's not as if we have nothing to do. But there are way, way too many Christians out there keeping the ball away from the Holy Spirit. They think they're better shooters. They think they're better dribblers. They think they can win the game on their own. Sometimes you have to give the ball to somebody else and get out of the way. After all, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. We need to give the Spirit our lives and get out of the way. We need to give Him our weaknesses and get out of the way. We need to give Him our sins and get out of the way. We need to give Him our pain and get out of the way. We need to give Him our problems and get out of the way. Are we to cooperate with the Spirit? Of course. We're not to be just passive. Are we to obey the Spirit? Of course. Are we to learn the ways of the Spirit? That's why I'm preaching. But in the end... It is His power, not ours, that makes the difference. It is His love flowing through us, not ours, that makes the difference. It is His peace keeping us, not ours, that makes the difference. It is His joy flooding us, not ours, that makes the difference. He is the vine. Our job is to abide in the vine. He is the Spirit. Our job is to walk. Walk with the Spirit. That's why he says here in verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Because brothers and sisters, you know, we emphasize sometimes, I think the wrong, you know, I don't know that there's a wrong end, but what we, we get unbalanced. We keep telling people, be filled with the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. But I got news for you. It doesn't matter if you're filled with the Spirit if you won't walk by the Spirit. What good is getting filled with the Spirit if the minute you're filled, you forget all about Him and live in the flesh? Walk with God. Walk with the Spirit. Walk in step with the Spirit. And your life will change because the Spirit's life will be your life. The Spirit's life will be poured into you. Are you ready to walk in the Spirit? Again, this isn't brain surgery. It's inviting God moment by moment into your life and then relaxing and see what he'll do. Can you do that? Yes, you can do that. A child can do that. A teenager can do that. Any, uh, it, it, is it hard at first? It, forming any new habit is hard. 
But you can learn to abide. You can learn to walk. And if we let the Spirit flow into our lives like Paul described, I promise you there will be fruit. There will be fruit. You will change. Do you believe that? My invitation to you is to start that. To start that as soon as you leave this service. To start it when you're at home and somebody else has the remote. Start it then. Say, Jesus, I can either have a fight over the remote control or, Lord, you can give me grace to be a loving person right now until they leave the room and I get the remote. (laughs) You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Lord Jesus, let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us. Help us walk in the Spirit, Lord. You have given us incredible power. You have given us, Lord, the very presence of yourself, not only around us, but in us. Lord, we are fools if we don't work with you, if we don't surrender to you if we don't call on you as our main resource in living in this sinful world time after time after time throughout the day. Teach us to walk in the Spirit, Lord, so that we may show forth your fruit, your character, your life, your glory. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people say, Amen. amen and amen. I'd like the worship team to come. Again, make up your mind today. Please, please. This isn't about whether you enjoyed a sermon tonight or today. This is about whether you will obey the Word of God today, okay? There is life on a whole new level waiting. Now, again, if you'll stand, there'll be prayer. The intercessors can come. We will pray for people up front. If you want to tap into the life of the Spirit and you never have, you want to give your life to Christ, you can go into the prayer room over there and someone will talk with you or we will up front. But brothers and sisters, we are a supernatural entity. Don't you think it's time we acted like it? Don't you think it's time we lived life in the Spirit? And all this stuff in the Bible starts to become true, really true, right in front of us and in our hearts. Amen? Amen? Amen.
Are you listening? Are you paying attention? He is here for you. Walk with him. Talk with him. Abide in him. Lord Jesus, help us. You are doing things in this church. Help us to tune in. You are touching hearts and lives, Lord. Help us to pay attention. Help us, Lord, to live life in the Spirit as you designed life to be led in the Spirit. And it will change everything. Go with us now as we leave this place, Jesus, and help us to practice your word in Jesus' name. God's people say, amen. Take me. Take me.